It's hard to feel free when the world is crashing down around us and we're shut up in our homes. Thank you so much for letting me into your head this week. But you, you don't have to feel trapped. You can, you can write your way to freedom. Welcome to the Away Podcast. That's K-O. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Kane. And this is episode 14 of the Right Away Podcast. Recording August 27th, 2020. I have done a scary thing this week. I booked an editor without knowing for certain if a book will be finished by the due date. Of course, I will finish it on time, but I don't know if I'll do it with a minimum amount of stress. And I have two reasons for doing this. Number one, of course, is to get the book done. But number two is more strategic. I've been really gentle with myself this year. It's been extremely healthy and necessary as I deal with this ending of my marriage, burnout, and COVID, but I'm finally getting to that point where the lack of productivity is frustrating. Not guilt-induced, but more like that feeling after you've been sick and all you want to do is get up and move. That feeling. But I'm terrified of throwing myself into burnout again, so I've hesitated to push harder, but I am giving myself a higher production and stress trial run. My ideal goal through about June of next year is to write 60,000 words every six weeks from now until then. That gives me 40,000 on a solo project and 20,000 on a co-writing project. I thought out a few schedules for approaching this. And number one was 60,000 words, six weeks, 10,000 words a week, 2,000 words a day. Totally doable. Unless I miss a day. Or a week, and I'm not a huge fan of that. So number two idea was 10,000 for two weeks for the co-writing project, and then 15,000 for three weeks for the solo project, and then one week off. And I really like having that wiggle room. But what I decided to go was option number three, which is 10,000 for two weeks, and then one week off. And then 20,000 for two weeks, and one week off. What I like about this is that it accepts that life is inconsistent and it builds that in. And so far, so good. Um, My max number per day last week was 4,000 with an average of 2,300. Yesterday, I wrote a little over 2,000. So far today, I've written 2,600. I don't know if I'll get more in today, but my goal is not to get 4,000 words a day right off the bat. My goal is to ramp up my word counts just like if I were ramping up my weights in a physical exercise routine. I need an average around 3,500 per day Monday through Friday, um, including today. I'm not super stressed if I don't hit that uh, because the end of a book tends to be like riding a bike downhill, down a steep hill at the end. And it tends to be really easy for me to knock out mad word counts the last few days. But I don't want to have to depend on that, so much rather get the words in earlier. And it may be that the book ends up being shorter than I planned. The first, I don't know, nine chapters were averaging about 2,000 words a chapter. But then we got into a little bit more action. The word counts dropped a bit. And so I averaged or guessed about 56,000 words for this book, it may end up being closer to 50,000, which would be just great because then I'm shooting for more than I need, which means I might even get done early. So I'm working up to those 4K days and 
after I finish this particular book, I'll slide into finishing a co-written book that's currently in progress. And I just realized I won't be able to slide fully into a real test of the six-week schedule until January because of the co-write schedule until then. But step one is simply to test if I can write 4K a day comfortably at this point or if I think I can work up to it. I have tentatively taken a break from pushing myself on science fiction and fantasy simply because I need to get some financial stuff in order and the romance will absolutely get me there. Uh, no questions. But my hope is in those off weeks, which are buffer weeks, they are, you know, vacation available weeks, they are, I can do whatever the hell I want weeks, I can catch up on admin weeks. My hope is that I will be able to slip some sci-fi and fantasy in there starting in January. Yeah, earlier maybe, but like I'm not even putting that in my brain right now because I don't want to build that expectation on myself. Um... For the interview this week, I have the wonderful rebel, Sasha Black. Um, we talked a lot about goals, um, and Sasha has some very, very specific goals. And we dug into why do you want these goals? What do these goals mean to you? And I think that is one of the most important things that we need to consider when we listen to people talk about specifically monetary goals, sales goals, any of those the numbers themselves are not actually that important. It's what do those numbers mean? What do they mean for you? And I think if we talk about numbers goals without talking about meaning, then we are hurting ourselves. We're hurting the people who are listening uh, to those goals and comparing themselves to it. You know, and everybody is in charge of themselves. We can't like make people not compare themselves. But I do think it's very useful to draw attention to the whys. So I hope you enjoy this interview. So I'm going to start with a question that a lot of us writers hate. It came to me right before we got on the call. Um, and it's not one that I told you ahead of time. So I'm really curious what your answer is going to be. Um, but what do you tell people you do for a living? I tell them I'm an author. Yeah, no question. Straight up. But yeah, I do. But I always say... I usually say I'm an author and an entrepreneur because mm. that's what I feel like. Um, I, I love the business side almost as much as I love the creative side. I'm, I'm probably like 55, 45 or maybe 60, 40. I don't know. I, I suppose I swing. If it's loads of admin, admin then I'm definitely on the creative side. But um, I, I really feel like if you want to be a successful indie author, um, and not just like, not just on the creative side, but in terms of creating a stable future for yourself, then the, the most effective way to do that is to embrace the entrepreneur side as well, because whilst, you know, I'm sure for most of us, we all want to write, uh, you know, eight hours a day. Um, if, if we only have one income source even if that's books and yes, it's, you know, we are independent, you are still not financially safe. So for me, I always say I'm an author and an entrepreneur. That's usually like, and then, and then they raise eyebrows and like, well, how can you be both? And I'm like, oh, darling, come here and I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so have you defined yourself as that from the beginning or was that a process you had to get to saying either of those things? I think that's a good question. I think 
Well, I definitely didn't define myself as an indie to start with. Um, I have only ever published indie and I have never queried, but um, I didn't know that when I started. So when I started, I was just like everybody else I knew. So I knew fuck all about the industry. I knew nothing about traditional publishing. I knew nothing about indie publishing. And, um, but as somebody who loves to learn, I uh, was always going to educate myself. And as soon as I saw the numbers, um, it just made no sense to me to go traditionally published because I had faith in myself that, um, despite the numbers despite the number of people who want to and fail or whatever and don't succeed i believed i could create a business and um so from the start i did publish my first book as indie now that's not to say i won't try traditional i do think the next book that i write is much more suited to traditional publishing um it's a standalone for a start which is a lot easier to pitch um so yeah like i think i think you know indie traditional whatever i think there are um reasons to do each of them and and in terms of the entrepreneur i definitely think that was a an um a name i gained over time i don't think i felt um confident enough to like embrace it i don't think i yeah as much as i believed i could be an indie i i think the the entrepreneur side definitely came later once i started adding streams of income and you know learning actively learning about the business side that's when i started to embrace the entrepreneur side yeah yeah i love that i have recently had this kind of realization in my head because i'm not just interested I, i'm with you on the the writing the creativity and the business side love both and that's one of the main reasons that I went India, I was like, well, why not choose the option that allows me to do both and have so much control when that's something I love. Um, and recently I realized that I've been having troubles like approving of my desire to have a bunch of other business completely unrelated to the writing business. Um, I mean, for instance, one of them is running some real estate property things, which has been a plan for a long time. And then another is, you know, we've been talking about possible coaching business, but I don't know if I want that to be writing specific. And I realized that a block in my mind was simply that I didn't know that I had permission to be super successful at everything I wanted. Um, and I realized just because no one else has done this particular combination of things successfully together, doesn't mean you can't do it. Look at all the people who've been really successful at very disparate things in other realms. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really interesting that that's kind of, that's kind of that same mindset. Uh, I love it. I, I'm going to tell you two things. So the first thing is um, I have like a six year plan to buy a second house because I want to flip properties. Yes. Um, so like I am all over that with you. Like my my wife is um, super, super amazing at um, anything DIY. Uh, she can fix literally everything. And so uh, and I'm uh, I can do all the painting and all the other stuff. So we're a bit of a, 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 a really like power dream combo team when it comes. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's our 
plan because she she would love to retire because um, she has chronic fatigue and stuff. So mm. I'm like, well, we need another business that will give her an income and she can, you know, redecorate slowly or whatever. So that's the first thing. The second thing, I have a sticker on my computer but both sides that says you have permission because so often I forget that I have the power to do these things and it's okay to have these desires. And so I keep those stickers on my computer to remind me that I have permission to do whatever the fuck I desire. So oh, yeah, you, you need to post it as well. I do. I used to have, <laughs> when I worked at my software development job, because I get so like distracted, I used to have a post-it that just said, get back to work <laughs> at the top of it. So whenever I saw it, I was like, oh yeah I'm at work I should do that <laughs> yeah I love it post-its are awesome um so given that you have so many things going on in life this is going to be uh probably a complicated answer with many tears but what does success look like for you we're going to start with just right now because we're going to go into like how that might have changed but right now what is your vision of success you can pick a time um, frame if you need to. Okay. So I, it's, it's, there's a very easy answer, which I'll give you first. And then there's a slightly harder answer. So the easy answer is I want a six figure business and I want um, to be able to ha have the knowledge that I have some kind of retirement pension fund that's secure and big enough that I can look after my mum as well. Um, so, and then there's one other thing wrapped up in that. I would love to be able to take my son somewhere to a different country for six weeks every year in the school summer holidays. Like that, that is my ideal. Um, and it may be that that comes first because obviously he's only going to be young for so long and then the retirement fund comes, you know, I'm still pretty young. Um, so, so that's one definition. The, the, the second definition is is that I'm an asshole and I'm very mean to myself and I move <laughs> the bloody goalposts constantly. So um, I really, I really struggle to ever feel pride or that I'm successful because um, despite having uh, Becca Symes achiever thing, I really, really struggle to acknowledge any success or any achievement. So, you know, I will finish a book and then I'll just move straight on. There's no stopping to celebrate. There's no acknowledgement. There's no, there's no nothing. I just look to the next thing. So, so I, I, I've always, since I was 12, I wrote, I remember writing it on my bedroom wall. I want a six figure business. And, um, it's completely arbitrary. Like what, who, why, why that figure? I don't know. So yeah, there's like, there's, there's, I don't know how I'm going to feel when I get there. Will I still feel like a failure? You know, I don't know, but I spend a lot of time feeling like a failure, which is bizarre. And I don't think I actually even knew that I felt that until I just said it, but yeah, it, it, it's, I don't know. It's weird, but that, those are my, my top targets anyway. What does a six figure business feel like for you what what is because I think that when we have targets like that subconsciously there's there's a there's a kind of freedom that that particular thing we expect to bring to us yeah so there's there's probably three things wrapped up in that in my mind when I reach that level I will have no issues paying my bills 
having a holiday every year and still having significant amounts of money that I can put away for my retirement, my, to be able to look after my mom and to ensure that my son has some kind of inheritance. The other <laughs> caveats are, uh, well not caveats, but the other sort of milestones on the way is I want to beat my old income. Mm-hmm. And then I want to beat the asshole who told me that my personality was a risk to my reputation. And I know what he earned. And, and, and that is on the way to six figures. And so I am really like part of this spite revenge. Like I have to beat this person because they crushed me. And therefore I will feel righteous in having quit my job. I know, I know it's terrible, but yeah. No, so, uh, I had those goals too. And I've, I've no way. yes. Okay. So I'm going to get into this. I have. So I have had, yes, a hundred percent. So I made just under six figures as a software developer. Um, so my first year publishing, I, I did not make that clearly, <laughs> but um, my second year I did. So that was awesome. And then also there is, there's a person in my life uh, that I can't get rid of and it's okay. Um, but they're a little snooty about like what they make and just their idea of stability and all this other stuff. And so I definitely had it in the back of my mind, like it's going to feel really good when I out earn them. And it totally did. It absolutely did. I am not a big person when it comes to that. I am very petty. Of course, I didn't rub it in their face at all, at all. It's just my own personal, like, accomplishment. Yeah, I'm not even, I have no way of contacting this person. It feels amazing. I'll know. I will know. It feels amazing. You're going to love it. You're going to get there. You're going to love it. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. I think that's hilarious that we both have those yeah. particularly specific things. I know. It, it is. It's so petty. And I don't even care. No. Like, I am fine with it being petty. It drives it's not hurting us on. at all to have those goals. No, <laughs> or exactly. anyone else. Um, so when you started writing, did you did you ever know that you wanted to be a writer? Like, as a child? So I think if I had been more self-aware, I probably would have known. Um, I was a kid who always carried a notebook. I wrote stories. I I read so prolifically that um, I basically read everything in our very small um, like local library. And so my mom had to start taking me to the bigger town library because, you know, I know they could order stuff, but, you know, you wanted to see the selection as a kid. So anyway, we went to the bigger library. Like I literally... I consumed books. Oh man, I would have destroyed a Kindle universe. Uh, I know, right? The <laughs> subscription as a child. <laughs> I know, I know exactly and I was like oh those were the days when that was all we had to do with our time and um you know I was the sort of kid that my mom would be like okay you must go outside now you need to put the book down and go outside so what I would do is like sneak a book in my pants and take the book outside and read in the treehouse like you know just because then I was still outside but I was still reading um so yeah and like English was always always like my favorite subject too I have a question Did your mother ever ground you from going to the library or hide your books on you? No, she was a huge supporter. Like we had nothing really when, when I, when we were growing up and she would spend her last penny on a book for me. My mom was the same, but the only way she could punish me that worked was like 
threatening to ban me from going to the library, at which point I would start sequestering spare books between my mattress and the box spring, like in my drawers, everywhere, just so that if she did go through and like take my books, because like that was my punishment, I would have spares somewhere. That's amazing. I love that. That is epic. Um, uh, Yeah, so like I didn't... I didn't, I, if, yeah, so if I had paid attention, I would have realized that English was my favorite subject. I loved my teacher. My teacher loved my writing. Um, and, uh, but, but, uh, you know, very rightly so, my mum told me to get a, a degree that would be a backup. So I went off and did psychology and then um, I did a master's in cognitive neuropsychology and then I got a scholarship to do a PhD um, because I came up with a whole theory around distributed cognition and I just, I burned myself so low um, that I did not go and do the PhD. So then I fell into a, you know, because you forget, you forget what your youth was about. So, you know, I was following this, get a proper job. Thing. So that's that's what I did. And I went and I worked for um, I did like a graduate fast track management scheme. Very boring in um, the public sector, local government. And I knew more or less instantly that I had made a very big mistake. And um, within six months, I basically had clinical depression. Um, I was told, you know, I, I didn't fit in. I would never get very senior because I wouldn't play the game, the politics. I was told uh, my personality was a risk to my reputation. I remember literally breaking down and sobbing. Um, and what happened was I drunk wine and I started a blog under a, under a pseudonym called Sasha Black. <laughs> So I basically started vomiting these rants about work and they were hilarious because some of the things that happened were so ridiculous in this organization that, you know, I gained a following. Anyway, one thing led to another and this blog um, turned, I, I found the flash fiction community and all of a sudden I remembered what writing was and how much I loved writing. And so I heard about NaNoWriMo and I went up in the loft and I got out some of my old notebooks and I was like, right, I'm going to do it. So I did. And I did a nano and I have literally never looked back. And um, yeah, I, I think I did actually. It's like one of the only nanos I actually finished because, you know, you didn't know how, I didn't know how to write back then. So I just vomited crap out. But um, yeah, and I just never stopped writing. Love it. So how has your, because you have those moving goalposts how have your goalposts moved like where did they start and like what are some of the points that you hit along the way before today um so when so when i started writing so i like if i set my mind to something i always want to do it to the very best I possibly can and um so when I started the nano I don't think in my mind there was ever a doubt that I wouldn't publish the book just because that is the finished that is the end that is the completion that is the goal achieved so I always knew I was going to publish the book um but I you know when you first start writing you don't know that the whole indie world exists you don't know what it entails so uh, you know I moved the goalpost because you know I had no clue I was like yeah you know I'm gonna write a book and then I'm gonna publish a book you know with no clue the 
like eye-watering amount of work that goes into actually getting a book published um so yeah like originally I knew no better so I wanted it traditionally published then I moved the goalpost because I listened to the likes of Joanna Penn and Mark Dawson and all, all of those guys and learned about indie so then I moved the goalpost um to, to being indie and very rapidly after I finished the first book I uh, and and I learned about the indie world I knew that's what I wanted I knew I wanted to live a free life I wanted nobody to be able to tell me what time I had to do stuff um, and that you know that correlated very directly with how much I didn't enjoy my work so the more I hated my day job the harder I pushed towards this in terms of moving goalposts though like for me it's more that like I will achieve a goal that I've set myself and then I will tell myself something's not good enough or I could have done better or um, I don't know. Yeah. So like a, a, an example of where that's not the case is a very black and white thing. So that, like I just told you before we came on about um, me grading and my doing my martial arts, I either get an A pass or I don't. So, you know, like uh, an A pass is basically the, the full marks that you can get. And so every single exam, I've got an A pass, you know, and I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, that's fantastic. And then the other part of me is like, well, you did make a mistake though, didn't you? Like, you know, I'm just like, oh, shut up. You're so boring, Sasha. But yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of how I move my goalposts. Yeah. And I've, and as you've talked, I've, I've heard you say, a few goals like finishing nano publishing that first book uh quitting the day job um and now it's you know six figure multiple streams of income just the goals grow for they most do. of us and i think that's okay 100% i i think i've told you this story before but um you know in the in the strengths finders sasha's achiever is in her top 5 which means it controls her a lot. Um, it's number my, two. It's number two. <laughs> means it affects all of her life, every yeah. single part. Uh, mine is, I think, down to six, seven, eight. It's somewhere down there. So it still hits my life pretty, pretty strongly. And I didn't realize when I started that I had the goal to be a fiction writer at 100%. Like I was going to make my money from fiction and fiction alone and nothing else. I wasn't going to offer services or anything else. I was going to make it on fiction. And I didn't know that there was an invisible point when my brain went, ding, 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 you have achieved your goal. Uh, but there was. And when I hit that point, I was like, oh, okay, now what? And I've been floundering hard. I've had a couple uh, episodes talking about like figuring goals out for long term um, about what what replaces that? Because that does drive you forward. Um, mm. And, and it, like just a higher number doesn't necessarily do it. Like it has to mean something. Right. And that's why I asked, mm -hmm. like, what does that six figure mean to you? Cause it means a lot of really good things. Yeah. So, okay. Now I understand. So, so I have a slightly different answer because yeah. um, 
I really hugely relate to exactly what you're saying about having achieved a goal. So my big goal was to quit my job. Like, uh, uh, yes, okay, I've always wanted to earn six figures and I have genuinely always wanted to earn six figures, but um, that was so distant and far off. Like the big goal was to quit my job. And uh, especially because like, I literally cried every day at work for weeks and weeks and weeks. I remember like, where I very nearly had a nervous breakdown and I was crying in a tree in the middle of winter (laughs) and it was raining and I was just, I was absolutely hysterical. Like I couldn't be talked down and um, I just couldn't stop crying. And, and sorry. That is a very writer thing to do. (laughs) Right. Like, you can't just cry in your room you have to cry cry in a tree in the middle of winter i know right i was literally in in the middle of this tree i think it was like maybe three trees that had sort of made it into anyway it was irrelevant um and um so when i quit my job i spiraled so hard like i i shot up and i was hysterical like with elation and joy and then i realized i'd quit my job and I was like, oh, goal achieved. Now what? And I, and I, I worked very hard, but I, there was a hole. There was something missing inside of me. And I worked out. It's funny. I was um, on the podcast, I think, with Damon Swade. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about um, character verbs and how everybody has a verb. Oh, and yeah, um, yeah. And And it wasn't until I chatted with him and I realized that my verb is to defy that I um, worked out what the problem was. And so whilst I was still in my day job, I was defying authority. I was defying um, the organization by writing, by building this business. And they were the big bad monster. I used to talk about um, the organization like it was this big bad monster. And then I defeated it. And then what? There is, there is nothing. So I really relate hard to that. And I think it was a, a process of time and be a process of rebuilding myself to want more and finding something else to defy. So now, um, it's, I want to defy the odds and that's, so that's what drives me now. And, um, so yeah, and, and, and a little bit defying that asshole his salary but yeah it's gonna <laughs> yeah, be hard so. when hard when you uh, accomplish that goal you're like how I know. gotta gotta defy somebody else who can I know. Get to be I'll... mean to you i know right <laughs> someone be horrible so i can defy you uh, but yeah so i don't know I, I i guess i'll probably have another mini collapse after i hit six figures and then i'll have to find something else yeah, to it do. happens it happens <laughs> so did you... you find your thing which thing oh like uh, have you found your yeah. new maybe maybe we're seeing um i i'm do you know contenting myself i don't like if i had to answer like off the fly it'd simply be to create because i do that in every um way shape and form in my life like i garden like a crazy person um Mm -hmm. and i create order and i create chaos and i so you have um, to create more businesses yeah, like I get bored and then I go create something new. Um, so, and, and yeah, I, I joke with my friends here that my spiritual gift is, is making money because I can literally make money out of any, anything. I look at everything and I'm like, well, these are the five different ways that you could create money out of this thing, like going in and, 
you know, finding seeds from the ylang ylang tree, because everyone wants a ylang ylang tree in this town, sprouting them, and then selling them for four bucks each after they're, they're these tiny trees out of zero dollars, except, you know, maybe whatever container you put it in. Um, just to start. Um, <laughs> so, but it's really hard. Um, I think right now between Corona and you know, going through the end of, of a 15 year relationship to really know what my future is going, what I'm going to want my future to look like. So part of me is just accepting that I don't really know right now and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so I've been setting like smaller achievements. Um, I haven't owned a car for the majority of the last seven years because we have bicycles, taxis are really cheap here. Cause you're not going to go more than like four kilometers. Okay. Like that's how big our town is. And I've realized, and this was actually in the Becca Symes um, intellection intensive class, that um, I really miss the car time. I rented a car last month for the first time, had the Becca Symes intellection class, and one of the questions was like, where, where's your thinking time? And I had one day in the car where I drove for nine hours by myself, and I came up with the best ideas. I was like, I'm, I'm ready to go back to car life. So my, like one of my mini goals is make enough money to buy a car and it not, and not a crappy car that I'm going to have to repair every month and it's going to add more stress to my life, but a decent car. So I have that goal in my mind and that is going to push me forward into some new writing projects specifically. Um, there's, there's other things that are just kind of in that murky mess of amoebic ideas that have not yet crawled out onto land to become creatures. Um, Creations. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> so maybe that actually is my yes. <laughs> So that's where I'm, that's where I'm at on the achiever slash goal thing right now. Um, today was interesting because I had a deadline for a book last week and I don't like having really intense deadlines where like you start 10 days before the thing is due when it's a big project mm -hmm. like this but that's what circumstances required and we did it and so I kind of like laid low Saturday Sunday and then today was my like okay back to real life and so I started organizing and I took a really ugly mirror I have and I redecorated it to like just create I'm like okay and we're gonna put these plants in these pots and like just went into like other creation mode hardcore this morning which was cool and it's interesting to see like that pattern happen a lot you have um, kind of a leg up from most writer businesses and that you have a really strong um, example in your life of entrepreneurship and building successful businesses in your father. So obviously that has had an effect on you. What would you, what would you say that you're most grateful for having have had that relationship in your life, in your, so that, in your businesses now? So the interesting thing is I didn't have a relationship with my father until oh. I was like 18. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. So I, so I lived with my dad until I was two mm -hmm. and then, um, my mom and dad split up and it was just my mum until, well, forever. And, um, 
so I didn't see him. I don't, well, I don't recall seeing him until I was about nine. And then I asked to see him. And so I'd spend, you know, the odd weekend with him. But we had a very fraught relationship. And um, we, I was a very fussy eater as a child and that caused a lot of problems um and because my dad eats incredibly healthily and always has apart from his sugar addiction um and uh yeah so like we didn't get on and then he had a partner who I actually came to physical blows with um and so then I didn't talk to him for a couple of years and then um I met uh my partner or I, oh, I had a partner before and anyway so there was like a very sort of loose relationship there and then I met uh, my wife and she is so family orientated it's insane they're all up in each other's businesses and they're like literally as close of a family as you can get and um, she pushed and encouraged me to like rekindle with my dad so I did and we had a couple of sit-down meals and um we just got everything out in the open and I basically said everything that I needed to say and that was it and I'm a firm believer in moving on and letting go because I think when you don't let go you poison yourself and the only person those feelings and that anger was hurting was me so I I literally I said what I had to say and then I moved on and it was only in letting go that I, I was then able to develop um, a very close relationship with my dad and the crazy thing is I am so much like my dad it's un-fucking-believable for, for a girl who didn't grow up with her father and did not spend a lot of time with her father it's it's actually a bit weird how similar we are so it just shows you sometimes how strong genes can be and um, so but with all that said I am most grateful for my dad because he of everybody he was the person who said you need to quit your job you need to quit your job he two years out before I quit he was telling me every time I'd call him quit your fucking job quit your job quit your job and I couldn't and I couldn't do it and I couldn't let go and he was like you will find a way and he 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 was and and don't get me wrong my wife also believed in me and you know but but of everybody he had a way of talking to me that would give me faith in myself because he 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 has this way with words this way of describing things and giving you your own power and he was so resolute and just when he believes something it is it is truth and that's it. And, and he gave that to me. And, you know, it took a while for me to believe it. And, and a while, you know, I had to pay off debt and stuff. So there were there were genuine financial blockages that I was not, I would not quit my job until I paid off my debt. But, um, you know, he he was the person that I called when I was crying in a tree you know he was the person and he was he was I I feel so sorry for him because the number of phone calls he had to deal with uh with me saying the same shit over and over again because I just hadn't quit my job you know and but yeah he he was a pinnacle of 
of strength and support, I would say, you know, during the worst times um, in my day job. And, and you know, my mum also for other reasons, but if you're asking about my dad, so yeah. Yeah, I know that he seems like a person who sees multiple paths all at once and positive possibility in all of them, where I feel like a lot of people will see like, this is the path I'm supposed to follow and feel like they have to stick to that. Um, and I think that comes in with your rebellion against everything, your defiance, uh, possibly inherited from him. And I, that's one of the viewpoints that I, I have learned throughout life is one, that, that faith that he gave you that you will find a way, that paths are all around us and we need to look for them because they're not going to say, hey, I'm the right way because none of them are the right way. They're just a ways and we make of them what we will. Yeah, absolutely. And he always, you know, he does not allow me to give him problems. He will turn it around very rapidly and ask me how I'm going to handle that situation. And I tell you what, it is the most frustrating and fantastic conversation to have with somebody who will just not accept your bullshit. And um, yeah, so again, there's that empowerment and he because also he he's you know he knows i will figure it out whatever you know he doesn't necessarily have the answer and he wouldn't give it to me even if he did have the answer he's very much no go and research it yourself or go and you know whatever um so but but i think it's a fantastic way to be because you enable a person and it's yes we can help everybody but it's so much better to enable somebody to help themselves and that's what he does Awesome. All right. Well, we have to wrap up, but I asked you to share something with the listeners, um, a fun resource for them. So what do you have for us? So does it need to be a resource that I have created or a resource that, that are other people? Like what should the resource? Anything, anything that you think is super helpful and that you love. Hmm. Okay. There are so many things. Uh, okay, so here's one. That's the learner yeah. problem. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, literally, there's so many things. Okay, so this one is um, just a, a small thing, um, but it can open so many things. So if you are a podcast listener, which I'm assuming you are, if you're listening to this podcast, then um, I have started to do a lot of um, listening to random podcasts. I say random, I will get to the point. Um, but what I mean is like, topic topical episodes and um uh, there is a website called listen notes and you can type in like let's say you want to learn about writing dialogue and you can type in writing dialogue and it will spring up a load of podcasts that are uh, you know podcast episodes not not podcasts to subscribe to but podcast individual podcast episodes on that very topic so actually it's you know it's a bit like a you know a wikipedia encyclopedia because there are so many bloody podcasts on all different types of topics let's say you want to research victorian murders you know whatever you know type in victorian murders and there's 11 billion uh individual podcast episodes from 5,000 different podcasts on that topic. So yeah, I really like that because I love consuming audio for research. Um, so that's my resource for you. Oh, I love that. And I have just recently, after Joanna Penn mentioned that she'd switched to Spotify as her podcast uh, provider, I was like, okay, like 
my podcast provider, which is Podcast Addict on uh, Android, is literally taking up 75% of the memory on my phone because I have so many podcasts I haven't listened to. I was like, I like that streaming aspect better. Um, and it's just too much work to make this podcast default to not downloading and it's streaming sucks. So I'll go to Spotify. And one of the things that's been driving me nuts is that it doesn't notify you and hey, these podcasts have new podcasts like every morning. So I'm figuring out how to get around that. But what you just said was like, oh, I can create Spotify playlists on writing dialogue. What? amazing so like yeah just when I'm like I'm gonna go on a learning binge on this specific topic I've already got it put together yeah I don't know if it syncs directly to Spotify but you could of course no but I could do it manually individual. for sure yeah exactly yeah 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 and and I do do that like when there is a topic I you know if I you know sometimes like when you're listening to podcasts and then you just you go in a bit of a lull it's just like reading like mood reading and then I'm like ah, oh, I need something new but I'm just I don't know what and anyway yeah so that, that that's when I'll I'll often do it then as well I love it okay so where can people find you online so uh, sashablack.co.uk which is sasha with a c so s-a-c-h-a black .co.uk um, and uh, the other two places where you can find me most is in my Facebook group so Rebel Authors and uh, last but by no means least I'm most active on Instagram so at Sasha Black Author uh, yeah every, I mean I do have all the other social medias but yeah they're the best places to get me 100% alright thank you Sasha thank you for having me I absolutely love talking to you Thank you so much for letting me into your head this week. If you find the content I share useful, you can buy me a coffee at coffee.com slash Chris Kane. That's ko-fi.com slash C-R-Y-S-C-A-I-N. And don't forget to hit subscribe.